Hi, I'm John Yeager, and this is a special Encore edition of Bloodworks 101. With the recent increase in gun violence here in the Seattle area, the issue of its impact on the blood supply is sadly never out of the news. About a year ago, I spoke to Lieutenant Michael Barocas from the Seattle Fire Department, who's a medical services officer for Seattle's Medic One. In this Encore episode of Bloodworks 101, Barocas takes us behind the scenes in the life-and-death battle he fights every day he leaves on an emergency. But he also offers a ray of hope in this episode we called Transfusions in the Field. Oh, and a warning, this episode contains graphic reference to the effects of gun violence and suicide. Ever heard of exsanguination? You're about to. Exsanguination is when someone is literally bleeding out. They are bleeding to death. Uh, roughly, our goal is to try to p- treat a patient who is exsanguinating, who is bleeding to death. Our goal is to try to get them to a level one trauma center here at Harborview, where ultimately the fix is surgery. They need a surgeon to fix the problem. Curing blood is a stopgap for us. Hi, I'm John Yeager, and this is Bloodworks 101. Your friends here at Bloodworks Northwest produce these award-winning podcasts to get you to think about donating either time, money, or blood. Dispatch Medic 44 is responding. He's Lieutenant Michael Barocas, a medical services officer for Seattle Medic 1, Seattle Fire Department. Ask him about whole blood delivery, and he'll tell you it saved lives. I spoke to Michael recently at Harborview in Seattle. You want to know what it's like to be on the front lines of the battle between life and death? Talk to Michael Barocas. He's a veteran of over 40 years with Seattle Fire. But before we go any further, I want to warn you that some of the descriptions of trauma in this episode can be pretty graphic. This life-saving program is working because it relies on Harborview, the Seattle Fire Department, Bloodworks Northwest, and you. Even though it started three years ago, Lieutenant Baroka says it's still a new trend for emergency units across the country. It is, correct. In fact, we started this in 2019, and we were the first ground unit. Uh, it's been used extensively with Airlift Northwest, um, but we were the first ground unit uh, in the region to, to actually initiate this and put it into play. It's just a, a matter of a few minutes, but really it can make all the difference in the world, right? Oh, it absolutely does, because our, um, especially in penetrating trauma, so when we're talking the skin has been broken, someone's been shot, someone's been stabbed, what we are trying to deal with is, number one is time, and number two is exsanguination. Uh, exsanguination is when someone is literally bleeding out, they are bleeding to death. Uh, roughly, our goal is to try to p- treat a patient who is exsanguinated, who is bleeding to death, Our goal is to try to get them to a level one trauma center here at Harborview, where ultimately the fix is surgery. They need a surgeon to fix the problem. Curing blood is a stopgap for us. Okay, now have you ever heard of a lactated ringer? Well, you're about to. In the past, and what our treatment has always been for somebody who is bleeding, is that we would start multiple IV lines of lactated ringers which was a filler to a certain extent. We were able to keep uh, blood volume, keep the circulatory system expanded, but eventually uh, it's diluting that system. 
And so we can fill somebody up with a whole bunch of lactated ringers, but the reality is what they really need to keep alive, to keep their organs perfused with oxygen, is whole blood. And so that's really the, how this program came about and why it's been so successful with treating patients. Lactated ringers, wow. <laughs> Lactated ringers, it's a, uh, like a saline solution. It's, uh, again, it's compatible with filling the circulatory system, but uh, it is not a fix-all by any means. Sometimes I hear, I, we get these reports of like, uh, shooting victims, they can go through dozens of units of blood. How, how, how is that possible? Well, again, depending on the round, uh, specifically with gunshot wounds, you know, uh, different rounds, different size, caliber, handguns, long rifles, whatever it is, uh, create a different injury. And not only the injury that they create, but the vessel that they hit. So some things, some people think, well, like a 22, that really doesn't do much. Well, a 22 caliber round uh, is a very small round, but it tends to enter the body and then fragment and bounce around. And so everything that it hits, it tears apart. patient who has maybe a single entrance wound with no exit wound uh, can have multiple injuries internally because this small little piece of metal has broken apart into tons of little pieces and everything that it hits starts bleeding. So without going into, I mean obviously we're not going to mention names, but can you bring me along for just one instance where having enough blood on hand made the difference between life and death? Well, there's a number of them. I would say probably uh, one of the most memorable ones was, um, because it was one of our first uh, ones, was uh, somebody that had decided to commit suicide and had climbed into a warm bathtub after cutting himself in multiple places. And so the, the warm environment of the bathtub caused him to bleed more. And it was, you know, it was really a sad story uh, because it was someone who clearly was in crisis and initially thought they wanted to end their life. The reality was is we were able to get there soon enough. We were able to, the medics on scene were able to recognize that he needed blood immediately. Uh, it was in close proximity to Harborview. And eventually we treated him, we administered the blood, we were able to get him here. He's since undergone counseling and whatnot and and has actually you know regretted his decision to attempt suicide and was he and his family were really thankful for us for our efforts to save his life. So I'd say that was probably one of the most memorable. Donated by people he'll never know. He'll never know. He will never know. And the funny thing about it is, is in this job, we rarely get to follow up with the patients. Uh, I can tell you over many, many years, probably on one hand, how many people have ever come back to thank us and or told us what an impact we've made on their life or family member's life. And we don't take it personally at all. You know, the reality is, is our interaction with a patient is generally in a patient or a patient's family uh, worst case scenario. It's a moment that they would probably care to forget rather than remember. And, um, and our interaction is truly as a liaison. We want to get them from, their, from this horrible place in their point to a place of, of definitive treatment. Then Michael showed me the star of the show, the little cooler inside their radio room in the emergency bay at Harborview, where the units of blood are stored. Um, this sits right here on the apparatus floor, as you can see, right next to uh, my vehicle. And this blood goes with me anytime uh, I leave quarters. So uh, understand that there's a variety of alarms that I go to um, throughout the city again. 
And so whenever I leave quarters on an alarm or for you know any business-related reason, uh, I always take the blood with me. It's 25 or 25 out of me. Blood's kept uh, anywhere between 2.5 uh, and uh, 6 degrees Celsius. Um, and we have the blood contained in a uh, inside the refrigerator here, and then we carry it in what's called a credo cooler. Uh, we carry two units of, uh, of whole blood in this cooler, and again, every time that we leave quarters, the blood comes with us. We log the blood in, and we log the blood out. Uh, we switch the uh, blood with uh, transfusion services here at Harborview every Friday, but if in fact we've been out of quarters because again we go on multiple uh, variety of alarms if we have carried the blood in uh, around 22 hours in any given time period uh, we'll think about switching it out then uh, conversely if we use the blood uh, thursday night at midnight we will still switch it out with transfusion services for consistency every friday morning so that's where we obtain our blood is at transfusion services at harborview so what am I looking at? This little, this little uh, thermal bag is probably, what, six inches, eight inches tall? Yeah. And it's a square um, uh, insulated bag. Again, yeah, that's all it is. It's called a Credo cooler. So imagine the little, uh, the little coolers you'd, you would get for a, uh, to take for a picnic or to carry some bottles of pop. Uh, some cans of pop, excuse me, you know, on a picnic. Uh, that's essentially what it is, and it has um, it, it, it has a reader inside of it that the transfusion services can monitor, as well as our refrigerator here. You heard that little beep just a second ago, and that was saying that our door was open and the temperature was starting to rise. If uh, this this refrigerator is uh, of medical grade and it is monitored all the time uh, by transfusion services if it ever reaches a too hot of a point um, somebody a representative will come up to make sure that it's functioning properly because the blood has to be kept at a certain temperature range so you've been doing this long enough you remember a day before there was blood on board what was that like well any time that we go on an alarm like this that would require blood uh, first of all it's a speed drill uh, we call there's you know we kind of categorize all the patients that we see we group them into two categories we either deal with a medical condition which is something like a heart attack uh, or a stroke and then we deal with trauma uh, trauma is defined as any violence that is done unto the body any external force that is placed upon the human body so trauma uh, generally is broken into two categories and that is uh, penetrating and blunt trauma. Blunt trauma would be somebody who has uh, suffered a fall or not wearing their seatbelt in a high-speed uh, vehicle accident where their chest takes the full impact of the steering wheel. Penetrating trauma on the other hand is where the skin is broken and something has, has entered the body. So again, the most frequent uh, alarms that we see at this point are like uh, our, our stabbings and shootings. Um, any of those conditions, uh, time is of the essence. So in the old days, uh, the way in which we treat patients really hasn't changed much as far as we still try to hit time frames, uh, recognize, get to the location soon enough, recognize the problem, and get them definitively to Harborview Medical Center. It's the, uh, it's the only level one trauma center in the region. Michael Barocca says what's really changed is that now they can keep a patient's organs alive because they have blood on hand. As Dr. Michael Sayer from Harborview told us yesterday, 
Over the past three years, more than 120 people have received transfusions in the field this way. 120 over three years may not seem like a lot to you, unless you're one of them. Or someone you know, someone close to you, is one of them. And then that number it becomes astronomical. And if you saw potentially how much blood a patient can use from the time that we see them through the operating room and through their recovery, it is astonishing, again, what a precious resource blood is. Want to be part of what makes whole blood delivery work? Donate. It's as simple as that. I want to thank Dr. Michael Sayer and Lieutenant Michael Barocas for their help. And I want to thank you for donating blood here at Bloodworks Northwest. Well, that just about wraps it up for this episode of Bloodworks 101. I'm your host, John Yeager. See you next time.